How's it going, friends? Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Genius Foods. In this episode of the show, I'm super excited to introduce you to my friend, Karen Rinaldi. Karen is the author of the new book, It's Great to Suck at Something, The Unexpected Joy of Wiping Out and What It Can Teach Us About Patience, Resilience, and the Stuff That Really Matters. I gotta tell you guys, I loved having this chat with Karen. And over the next hour, you're gonna discover that the key to a rich and more fulfilling life may be finding something to suck at. I know it's counterintuitive, but Karen makes a strong case, and I'm very excited for you to listen to our chat. But before we get into it, I want to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode of The Genius Life, and that is my good friends over at Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic makes a number of quote-unquote medicinal mushroom products, including coffees, elixirs, and their newly announced superfood protein, which is a plant-based protein powder, deriving its amino acids predominantly from pumpkin, coconut, and pea. I'm kind of impressed that they chose not to include brown rice protein um, in their concoction because many brown rice-containing products are often contaminated with arsenic. So if you're on the market for a very clean plant-based protein source that also incorporates a huge number of, again, medicinal mushrooms that Four Sigmatic is known for, including chaga, reishi, cordyceps, and lion's mane, which you know that I'm a fan of, head over to foursigmatic.com max or use promo code max, and you'll get to save 15% off of everything on their website, including their new superfood protein. Check it out. I promise you will not regret it. Um, and uh, it is unflavored as well, so no junk artificial sweeteners and the like. All right, guys, well, we're seconds away from my episode with the great Karen Rinaldi about why it is important to suck at something in life. Before we get into it, I would love if you would take a moment to support The Genius Life by either leaving a rating and review on iTunes or by spreading the word about what we're doing here at The Genius Life by taking a screen grab and posting it up on your Instagram stories or tweeting a link to this episode of the podcast. I value each and every one of you listening, but of course I'm always trying to grow the audience because that's gonna allow me to continue week after week to bring you cutting edge and important interviews um, that I hope add value to your life. So again, please help me spread the word about what we're doing here at The Genius Life. I would appreciate that very, very much. All right, guys, without further ado, I'm uh, pumped to get into the chat. And don't forget, after it's over, you guys should go head out and pick up Karen's new book, It's Great to Suck at Something. Again, her philosophy, which is about to be bequeathed unto you, resonates very strongly with me, and I have no doubt that it's going to with you as well. So without further ado, let's get into it. Karen Rinaldi, thank you so much for being with me on The Genius Life. Hi, Max. Thanks. It's great to be here. I'm a big fan of um, your work and the book, so I'm excited to get into it. It's about why we all ought to suck at something. My interest is peaked, to say the least. It's a pretty counterintuitive thing because when I first started talking about this, people thought, oh man, I don't want to suck at things. And I was like, yeah, I know, I know, I get it. But in fact, it is the idea is to try new things, to not do them for an end result necessarily. I mean, the old adage would be, you know, it's about the journey, not the destination. And that would be a sort of, you know, old wisdom. But sucking sort of takes it a little bit further. And it says, basically, if you do something just for the sheer joy of doing it and release yourself from having expectations of succeeding, we start, we allow other things to come in. And we start to learn more about ourselves um, and we open ourselves up for more experiences. And I kind of think it was really a, um, 
the idea was that we're living in a time of aspirational psychosis. We just want to be the best, you know, the ads tell us, be the best or nothing at all. You can have it all. You know, who's the, I don't, best. I mean, we're all good at some stuff, but, you know, who? how many best can there be? So my thing is that you, you are, we are compelled to be really good at the thing that we kind of earn our daily bread on, right? That makes sense. It's expected. It's transactional. But if we have something outside of that transaction and something that we don't have to excel at, something we can suck at, it opens us up for all kinds of good stuff, which we can talk about. Yeah. How did you, what, what, inspired, what motivated you to write this book? Um, there's a story at the beginning of the book where I explain a little bit about how the phrase, it's great to suck at something, came from something that a, a parent of um, one of my son's uh, you know, uh, classmates said to my son, Rocco, who had fine motor skill problems and couldn't, he could not write worth a damn. He couldn't sit still in class. He was having some trouble in school. Hmm. And we were talking about it uh, in front of the school. This is 10, uh, 10, 12 years ago, 12 years ago, I think. And he was really struggling. And we were standing outside a pickup and the dad, you know, the dad says, hey, how's Rocco doing in school this year? And I said, oh, he's struggling a little bit. You know, he's got some you know, handwriting problems, some fine motor skill problems. So, you know, he's struggling. And his name was John. And John looked at Rocco and he kind of just looked up to the heavens and he said, oh man, Rocco, it's so great to suck at something. <laughs> and I watched Rocco's face just go light up. And I thought, there it was. Now, this was not something he was sucking at intentionally, but it was something that he had a hard time doing. But having that forgiveness and also the embracing of it allowed him to kind of go through it. And I think it helped him a lot. At the same moment, I was learning how to surf at a very late advanced age when everything in the world would tell you not to do it. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it to most people, but I was really sucking at it. And I was constantly confronted. I loved it. I was compelled to do it. I changed my entire life so that I could surf, which is madness when you're whatever I was, you know, 40. Or I, I guess I had been at it for a few years. I was in my early 40s. And any surfer would hear that and go, oh, yeah, like, why bother? Don't start. Um, but I was compelled to do it. And I kept trying and I kept trying and I kept trying. And my father asked me at one point, he goes, why do you do it? Why do you, you're so bad at it. Why do you do it? And I thought, oh my God, I am bad at it. But it is the thing that brings me the most joy. And when I heard it's great to suck at something and I'm struggling in the, you know, with my surfboard to, to surf decently, I thought, well, I'll just forgive myself for sucking at it and keep doing it. And of course, over the years, I've been at it for 17 or 18 years now, you know, I still suck at surfing, but I can surf. <laughs> I can do it. I can get up on a wave. I can have that feeling. I get to have those experiences. I get to paddle out and, you know, have all of the peripheral experiences of community, of being in nature, of making that effort of exercise, of, you know, changing my mindset from, I have to surf well, or I have to get X number of waves per session, or my day is ruined, to I will accept whatever happens today 
in during this session and I will look at it as a gift, a gift I give myself, a gift that I kind of accept from the universe. And it sounds a little hokey and spiritual, but actually this came from surfing and sucking at it for so long. So it was tied to those two, those two moments. And that's how I got to it. And then I started living by this idea. I don't know, you know, it started really taking hold and it took hold for years. And then I wrote the New York Times essay. And what I found when I wrote that piece, I wasn't like, you know, I would talk to people about sucking at something and it would make them slightly uncomfortable. And when I wrote a piece called It's Great to Suck at Something for the, um, two years ago, it, it came out, it went viral and every people were just responding all over the place. And what people wanted, it seemed, was permission to go forth with something with intention, with great passion but maybe suck at it and be okay with that. And I realized, oh, this is a door people want to walk through. And I started thinking more about it and building sort of the bigger idea. And that's how the book happened. I feel like this book is so important because like today, thanks to the internet and social media, all you see are the successes, right? Totally. And they all appear to be overnight successes, Ugh. which as anybody who's made any, <laughs> yes. has reached any level of success will tell you yeah. there's no such thing as an overnight success. There isn't. They'll say, it just happened. In fact, somebody said when, um, when I published a piece in the Times, this is so great. I think, I think it was even my brother who said, so what do you do? You just write a piece, you send it to the Times and they publish it. And I was like, no, that's not how that happens. And I had been iterating on this essay. Talk about sucking at something. I mean, writing, you know, you're a writer, you do this. Like there is nothing that teaches you the lessons of sucking at something more or uh, than being a writer because so much of what you write, you throw out and you write and you throw it out and you revise and it all happens in revision and post and everything else. So, you know, I wrote that essay. It took me eight years to nail it because I wasn't quite sure about it, but it took that long. And then of course, when it happened and then it went, you know, and then it became very popular. But this idea of these finely curated lives that we see people leading supposedly on Instagram and, you know, on social media. And my thing is, I want to put out in the world, not the beautiful and the successes, I want to put out our struggle. I think we don't love each other more than when we see each other struggle. So it's not only, so here's the kind of, you know, one of the things of it is that it's great to suck at something, but you only take joy in your own sucking. And then your heart has to open for everybody else's. So you don't judge, you don't call, you know, oh man, that person, you know, that person sucks at something. It's like oh, rule number one, you do not call that on somebody else. You encourage and you open it up. But there is, I think, watching people try and then fail, and then try again, and then fail, and try again. I mean, I don't know about you, but like that makes my heart completely swell. And I think it's partly because it allows me to forgive myself for the things that I try and fail at, which I just, you know, we're all going to do, face it. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like we make believe that we're not supposed to. And I think we get, I think we're struggling. I think we really are struggling with believing we should be smarter, more beautiful, better, richer, skinnier, you know, cooler and all those things are just what what is the valence there like I don't I don't it, it doesn't it's it's not making us happier so I think it's a I think there's a lot of talk around failure right now I'm seeing it pop up as in my life as a publisher and in my you know just in, in the work that we do it's like what happens when people it's not the end of the world and I don't you know 
I don't know how much social media is to blame because I think social media does a lot of good stuff too because it create it helps create community. So my thing is I want to create a community of suckers. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping to do and that people can share their struggle um, and celebrate it as opposed to do the thing that happens uh, online so much, which is people are humiliated for it. I think that's part of it too, because the trollers are, you know, hu- want to humiliate, will humiliate people and tap into our feelings of already, you know, feeling that way. And if we kind of turn it on its head and going, people say, you suck at that and going, yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Sorry, you're not. <laughs> and that would be a nice antidote, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that social media is to blame, but it definitely presents pre- like predominantly one side of the story. You yeah, know, like yeah. it's uh, we, we, our feeds are all these hyper curated, you know, uh, picturesque versions of our lives. Yeah, and what you know, and and what is not on those feeds are like the moments where we're not doing anything super interesting or super glamorous, you know? Oh, and yeah. For example, when people go to my profile, they see the, f- the, you know, maybe the following that I've worked really hard over six, you know, eight years to build up. Right, right. And, and they see that as being like, how this guy get all these followers? What they don't see is like the experimentation and the trial and error and the, right. you know. The time. Time. And the labor and the kind of where it fails. I mean, you know, what do you suck at? Oh man! I don't say everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, there a few things. I mean, I definitely uh, suck at anything athletic, like anything really? sports related. Yeah, yeah. I oh, like wow. to. I love to work out, but um, because I'm interested in fitness and it makes me feel good. It's like you know for mental health, obviously. But uh, anything like sports related, I don't know anything about the pop culture, you know, surrounding sports and athleticism in this, in this, that, in this right. country. Yeah. So and like, you're so fit. So, you know, you look at you and you just assume you're an athlete, yeah. which is, which it would be wrong on my part. Totally. Right? Yeah. Totally not. Um, I also, I very much relate to this, um, the premise of, of the book, because one of the other things that growing up I sucked at was anything musical. And music has always been a major part of my life. I mean, just as much a part of my life as health and science and nutrition, all that stuff. But um, when I was in my uh, mid-20s, like you, it was kind of late in the game to start to pick up a musical instrument for yeah. the first time. No, right? Yeah, like, it is. Your brain, it's hard to yeah. you're, for your brain to kick in on it. Absolutely. Totally. So... I picked up a guitar and I, I really decided it was more of, it was a more, it was like an intellectual decision that I made where I just, I, like, I didn't want to continue to live without being a musician or at least like giving my best effort. I so get that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I so get that. And so, so I was like, I was mid college. I started strumming my guitar. I was terrible at it. And I also really wanted to sing. And I was not somebody like you, you know, I feel like at a certain point, you know, whether or not you can sing, right? You kind of have a sense of what it is to sing. And, you know, you get that kind of validation as, you know, when you're, when you're growing up, I had no idea how to sing. And, and yet I thought to myself, there's enough people in the world that know how to sing that there's got to be like something to it. There's got to be something that you can learn. It's got to be a teachable kind of thing. And I'm an autodidact. I teach myself pretty much everything. And so... Yeah, I just like worked at it and worked at it and worked at it over years and years and years and years. And I, at this point, I can play guitar. I can sing. I'm not like, 
Yeah, you're know, not a rock star, I'm but not that's Ed not Sheeran, why you do it. But, yeah. <laughs> but that's not why you did it, right? right. That's not why. 100%. <laughs> but I've, right. ac- I've achieved a lot of the milestones, actually, that I never thought that I'd be able to achieve. I recorded like an EP that's out there ah, in the ether so, of the internet. Yeah. I used to perform out. And even like to this day, I'll put a few, like when I'm feeling really brave, I'll put a few clips on like my Instagram yeah. stories of yeah. me like singing and playing. And nine comments out of 10, you know, people will be like, wow, you're amazing. You have, you know, your voice is so great, blah, 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 blah. And then I'll get one person saying like, don't quit your day job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's that always, <laughs> there's always that one ass. Yeah. But, Except, but the chances are pretty good that that person wants to do something is not allowing themselves to do it. I mean, you really think about that and that's. I always think that those comments are really people talking to themselves. Yes. And so the suck at something kind of idea is really also about, it's a sensibility of saying, allow for people to play guitar and sing and not be Ed Sheeran. Okay. So that, why is that just not okay? Because you're doing it if it just makes you happy. And, you know, you probably have some talent now, but hard won, right? Yeah. People will say when I talk about, when I talk about sucking at surfing, a lot of people think I'm doing the humble brag thing and they'll say, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Like, you know, you, you surf, like, you know, you've got a life around, you know, around surfing and blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, no, no, I'm really bad at it. And then they'll say, well, you, you can do it. Right. And I was like, yeah, I can paddle into, you know, catch, stand up and surf on the face of a wave and then kick out and do it again. Yeah, I can do that. It's not pretty. (laughs) It is so not pretty. So the idea is like, Okay, you can do it, but I'm nobody's. You know, I'm not. Uh, I'm not getting in. Nobody's taking pictures of me. In fact, I don't really want to see myself doing it. And one of the things I did is I posted. Um, this is one of my favorite sort of stories in the book. But I posted a video after I wrote the piece in the Times about me of me surfing. And again, it, it's not pretty. <laughs> and and I was I had to like it was almost like coming out about being serious about this thing that I'm not good at but I love by the way I love doing more than I more than anything else that I do I mean I love it so much it makes me so happy um it also frustrates me it does and we can get to that but when I posted it one of my colleagues walks into my office and said huh saw that video of you surfing I said yeah and she said you really do suck at it (laughs) I said yes I do and I said and because I knew there was something more. She goes, it kind of makes me happy to know that you suck at it. And I said, I'm okay with that. She goes, and she was smart. She was not unkind. She was actually being very kind. And I thought, right, because you had this idea that wasn't me. You know, I'm not in a bikini carving up and down a wave, you know, kicking out the back with a flip of my hair and a big smile with the, fo- you know, with the photographer shooting me. You know, I'm like in a long sleeve surf costume. I'm, you know, older and stocky and I paddle into and I... But man, it feels good. Like it just feels good. And that's what matters to me. And I'm okay with people kind of seeing me in that world and me sort of letting go of that idea that people have, you know, as a, you know, you as a rock star, me as a surfer, it's like, you get to do some things you do really, really well, because you, you know, crush it in what you do do professionally, you know, as a writer, as a communicator, as an expert in health. I mean, there are so many things you do well. It's really good to go do the thing that you don't, that is not transactional, that you can like flub and it doesn't matter because nobody's getting hurt from it and you're not, not getting a paycheck because of it or, but I think more is just not being humiliated by it is to be humble by how hard things really are, right? Because like playing guitar and singing, 
most of us could pick up a guitar, couple, strum a couple things and sing and sound like crap, but do it. But like sounding like being Bruce Springsteen or something <laughs> like, you know, that doesn't happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's okay. It's okay. And then we can, you know, appreciate. I'm sure there are things that Bruce Springsteen and Ed Sheeran suck at too. Yeah. And I'm dying to ask them. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm going to make it a life's work to go and ask people this question. So what, I mean, and like surfing, just because I know you personally, it's, it's your life has become so rich because of it. I mean, you're always taking these trips, right? Like, yeah. where are some of the places that you've been to surf? So I haven't surfed in that many places, though I have made, I've made a life in Costa Rica. So one of the main places is in this uh, town on the, on the, uh, Guanacaste Peninsula in Costa Rica on the Pacific side. Um, and we, I mean, I think I've taken, I don't know, I've been down there like 35 times. We bounce back and forth. Um, so I have a whole life down there. I've been to Barbados, Southern California. Um, I surf in New Jersey. I mean, nobody can believe that, but there are waves in New Jersey. You know, oh. It's a whole coastline. I mean, that's where I learned. Um, so down, down at the shore, <laughs> the Jersey shore, um, there are actually a lot of surfers down there. It's a really rich surf culture, which people don't really get. But um, you can surf all year. I mean, I used to. I can't. I'm too old now to get in the 38-degree water. But you can, you know, between May and November, it's, you know, it's awesome. You know, there are a couple of months in there where I find it. But people do surf in the, you know, the height of winter when it's cold and very thick suits and stuff. Um, you know, there's Rockaway um, in New York City. There's Far Rockaway which is a great surfing place out yeah. in the Hamptons. Um, you know, Ditch Plains is a great break. Uh, I'm a longboarder, so I've been out there. So what's great is that it brings you, you know, I have dreams of going to Indo and wow. Hawaii, but like I can't, I mean, listen, I can't surf a reef. If I surf on a reef because I fall so much, you know, you can't, it's just not worth it. Like I have to be really honest about what my capabilities are. So I tend to want to be on a beach break where if I hit the bottom, which I will do, I'm hitting sand. I'm not hitting a coral reef or rocks or sea urchins or something where I'm going to get hurt. Yeah. Wow. It's so amazing. What were you, I mean, what was there, like, before you had surfing in your life, what would you do with your spare time? Well, career, kids, yeah. you know, you know, you, you, there's a lot, you, listen, this is oh this is a lot of people ask me about time with it and because time is hard for all of us because we're we've got so much to do right and our days get filled up and it was it was also counterintuitive for me to be able to or to even think that I could make time for surfing but before I've always worked out I've always had a sport mm -hmm. you know I'm you know sporty spice for sure like I just I love mm -hmm. having something so I've boxed I cycled wow. um, I um, very serious like weightlifter at one point oh my god um i know i ran i did a lot of stuff um dabbled in other things um sucked at all of them actually not not at all of them there are certain things i was good at physically i'm very strong and very capable physically so i always thought surfing was something i thought oh if i could do that <laughs> like i you know I, if i could just get over being afraid of being in the ocean be a you know because i was terrified of waves love waves afraid of them but so I was always busy, but then what, ha you know, with, with different physical things, but surfing was that thing. It was like, you know, that click in your brain that happens when you do something. It's like, you know, you may have had it with like guitar and singing, which is like, you had that idea. Like I always wanted to, I couldn't, 
I couldn't finish my life without being a musician. However, I can incorporate it into my life, right? Totally. You probably felt like, and where's that pull come from? Who knows? I felt I can't go through my life without trying to surf once. And I was so terrified of it that I didn't do it for a really long time. And I got over that fear, which is another long story I won't go into here. But I finally overcame that fear and thought, okay, I'm going to try it because I have to try it and then I'll move on. And because I was physical and active and, you know, sporty, I figured, ah, I could do it. But what I didn't realize is that surfing, surfing is one of the hardest things physically that you'll, that anyone will do. It's, it's hard and it's hard for so many reasons. And I thought, oh, shit, this is really, this is hard. Like, what am I, you know, I'll never be able to do this. But I was so buzzed from it. You know, you get that. It just clicked in my brain. I thought, I'm going to try it again. And I just kept saying, I'm going to try it again. again. And, and it took me, it took me five years to catch a real wave. I mean, not a crummy little crumbly wave that people see, but to really drop into a wave face and turn at the bottom and, you know, surf that wave. It took me five years of trying. And when I got that wave, talk about you know, I was like high for, I still can go back to that wave and think about it and I get jazzed from it. How do you keep yourself wanting it for those five years where you're not able to actually do what it is that you're <laughs> trying know. to do? Insanity. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was that I, well, we go back to the whole premise of the book and this thing, which is like, it's great to suck at something. It was the one place that I could, I could paddle out, right? It didn't make any sense. My life is, you know, running, you know, at the time I was running a publishing company and I had two little kids and it was so outrageous in a way and the audacity to get on a surfboard and paddle out past the break and try to surf. I think partly it was that pull. It's like I thought, hey, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. This is like, you know, that was part of it. So I got a little bit of jazz from that. But also it was the one place where I didn't have to perform. I didn't have to do it well. It's the only thing I did. That it didn't matter if I caught. Nobody cared. No one cares. Surfers do not care if you, you know, if you catch a wave or not. They're they're surfing for themselves, which is a kind of beauty of it. So when you go out there, you're off of terra firma. You know, you're off of the land. You're in a place where nobody can call you or ask anything of you, and you just are. And then if a wave comes your way and you catch it, and I got so much out of that environment and I think that was the idea that was part of what the suck at something ethos came from is like yeah you can suck at this but still get so much out of it if you're looking if you're not looking for just the performance and the um you know the the success of it there's so much more that you can get out of effort and trial and error and failing and falling off of a wave and falling into the ocean, if you're me, like, it's really fun. <laughs> you know, getting hammered by the ocean is kind of fun. What was that quote? Until it gets scary. I think it was Thomas Edison who said, like, he, it's not that he um, failed a thousand times before he figured out, you know, the light bulb or something. It's he discovered 999 ways that it didn't, it didn't work. work. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's all about mindset. Yeah, it is about mind. Well, frame and framing, right? I always just say framing. You know, if you go out there and the framing is, I am blessed just to be you know out here um in the water in nature on my surfboard I mean just just to be able to get out there is something right that's an effort and it's like a lot of people don't even get that far and then you think well everything after that is just a gift right it's gravy um and also when you you know not to bring it really heavy but there is a moment in my life where I got I got breast cancer I got sick and I had a hell of a year of getting better and it was just a heavy thing that I had to do and my question was first am I going to die 
right? That was the first question. Do you know my second question hmm. was, oh my God, am I going to be able to surf again? <laughs> wow. And I sucked at it. So I'm going, wait a minute. This is interesting. The thing I'm worst at is one of the reasons besides my family, right? You know, and but one of the reasons to live was like, I wanted to get back out on the board. It took me, it took me, you know, two years to get back to the place where I was when I left it. You know, two years, I had to start at the beginning again. <laughs> You're going, well, but it was familiar to me. It's like, and then get back to it. But actually, even after that, I got better at surfing. And I think part of it was that I had to claw my way back to being able to do it. And I realized how important it was. But it was, you know, somebody it's like, is sucking at something a reason to live? Yes, it can be. Hmm. You know, if it's that thing that gives you the most joy. Would you say one of the keys is being able to suck in private because it's like but you know surfing you mentioned the fact that you're out you know you're off terra firma other surfers don't really care if you're surfing <laughs> right. or crushing it right the same with music i mean i got to practice i got to put in my ten thousand hours alone in my bedroom yes. sucking in front of my computer screen as i would record myself and listen back over right. and over and over again wondering like what i was doing wrong you know yeah, well, I think part of it is not, even if you're not doing it privately, because I think privately, if you're doing something that you can do alone, surfing because it's in public, you know, by its very nature, you are, you do have witnesses. It's letting go of any attachment to what other people are going to say. I mean, how did you feel when you went and performed for the first time? I mean, what was that like? I felt uh, extremely vulnerable, but I, I felt like this is a rite of passage. I felt oh. like I had to do it. Yeah. It was probably, do you remember it? I mean, is it like, can you go back to that and conjure it? Oh my God. I mean, I remember the first ever open mic that I played was in Los Angeles at a place on um, Fountain, (laughs) just off of La Brea. It was like this like weird venue where people were getting up and singing show tunes, like like, uh, acapella style, or maybe there was like a house pianist. And I plugged in my guitar and I played this like song that I had wrote. It was like the first or second song that I'd ever written. And um, yeah, everybody in the, everybody that was there, there were all these like older, you know, middle-aged people because it was kind of like this weird piano bar kind of vibe. And uh, and I sucked. I was like very nervous. I wasn't breathing properly. Um, but I just kept doing it. I kept throwing myself into these like open mics, which are happen in every major city. And I would just do open mic after open mic. And then I got up the courage to actually do it in front of people like my friends so i booked a venue and i played my first ever half hour set at this place oh, it's no wow. longer there that's great but it's uh it used to be called the cat club on sunset boulevard and i did my first ever half hour set and i invited like everybody that i knew and it was not bad it was like you know i mean b- people that were there i i tend to be my own worst critic so oh, i t- yeah I, of course yeah of course people that were there were like that was that was great obviously some i'm sure are just being nice but um but let them yeah, but, but that's it. That's the other thing. Is like it's not up to other people. Like you know, if you suck at something, you know, you can know it. But you don't. Yeah. You can't. You know, other people don't need to tell you that. Like that. That's not. That's not nice. Right. <laughs> I also find something that I have that you you tell me whether or not this is like productive or counterproductive. I I tend to <laughs> think that I suck a lot more than like I whenever I do like a a musical thing or you know, just going off music for a bit. If I do a TV show, like every time I've ever stepped off of stage at like the Dr. Oz show or the Rachel Ray show, I always feel to myself, God, did I, did I make sense? Did I say everything that I wanted to say? Like I always doubt myself. Oh, wow. And wow. then I realized and you're after so good the, at it. Cause I watch all those clips. And yeah. Really and, <laughs> well, after the fact I watched and I'm like, Holy cow, I did that. That was me. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's just, so good. Well, I think, 
I think what you're talking about is a certain humility. You know, one of my um, authors who's become a friend, I mean, you know, my great full life of being a publisher um, gives, there are many gifts. Um, and one of them is I get to, you know, know and talk to and engage with people like you and people who are experts in their field and who I admire. And, you know, I have a certain awe for, and it's it's great. And one of my authors called and was about to give I don't know if it was a TED talk or it was a, it was about t- to present her ideas to this audience that she was, this is a woman who is a master in her world. Mm. I mean, she's one of the, she's one of the, the great thinkers in sort of um, kind of spiritual and she's a seeker and um, just a very, a, a woman of great stature and wisdom. And she was terrified. And <laughs> She called me and she said, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't like, why do I have to go through this every time? And can I curse? Yeah. (laughs) And I said, because you're not an asshole. (laughs) And she goes, oh, (laughs) oh, you're right. That's true. And I said, yeah, you know that you are doing this because people, you're doing it for people, right? You're giving them something, something of yourself and you want to, give them what they want and what they need in this, you know, this talk you're going to give. And if you weren't nervous about it, then you wouldn't be aware of sort of that thing that you're doing. You'd be, you know, maybe you wouldn't see yourself clearly. So the the idea of sucking at something is to take that inner critic, right? Which is our noisy ego mostly, but it's also our humility mm-hmm. and say, oh, well, okay, the noisy ego, let me move that aside if I can. We know how much of a struggle that is. Um, but that humility, I will honor that. That's that that doesn't put me in 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 bad places. You know, it puts me in, in a better place because humility is something that we all and that's part of the, the wisdom of sucking at something, I think, is by accepting that humility and and then being okay with it. And then forgiving yourself. So you go, What so what happens if you I mean, you're so good on these shows, but <laughs> what happens if you, you, you know, you did Rachel Ray and, and, and you didn't crush it because you were having a bad day or you had a cold or you had a fever and you had to show up like, what would, what would happen? Like, y- you'd be okay. You know what I mean? And that's the idea is that I think, and this is part of it, is that you playing guitar and pushing past that vulnerability to get in front of people you don't know and then your friends, which is actually sometimes even scarier. I can, I can surf with people. I don't know really easily when I'm surfing with my friends who are good surfers. I definitely get that. <gasps> like I, I have to catch a wave when I'm with them because, you know, because you want to be seen doing it and sort of prove it that you can do it. But you also, I don't know, there's that expectation. It, 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 yeah, and you and it's um and you want to share it. It's something you want to share with your friends in a way that you don't share as much with people, perhaps that you don't know. But the idea is that when you get yourself in a position where you can accept that vulnerability or that you might not be that good or people might not like it. And then you take that, right? And this is really the, the kind of big, I think, the big kahuna of, of, of why this idea works is that there are times when you're going to suck at the thing that you do as a professional. There is not one of us, I don't care what your profession is, where you're not going to have a bad day. You're going you're gonna to make mistakes. You're going to screw it up. And when you do that, and it matters, holy shit, that is, that's where you get jacked, right? You get that, you know, you get really, I know when I feel like I've just screwed something up, I get that, <gasps> it's the end of my entire career. 
I know 30 years of doing this and devoting my life to it, and I think I'm pretty good at it. But when I make those mistakes, I think it's over. It's over. And then you think, what is that catastrophic, that catastrophic thinking is, again, a kind of lack of self-compassion. It's a lack of humility. It's your ego. It's, it's fear. And if you're put, used to putting yourself in a situation where ah, I can screw up and it doesn't matter, then you kind of go back to that. This happened to me not that long ago where something happened professionally and I thought, that's it. I just, I, I, I suck at this. I suck at being a publisher. Like, how can I, that, that's really bad because that's can't, I can't. Right. And I went, wait a minute. And I just come out of a session in the water where, right, where, where I was, you know, sucking and surfing. And I thought, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, just breathe. Like there must be something I can learn. Right. And what I did is I applied that same self-compassion and that forgiveness. And I thought, what am I learning? What did I just learn from this thing that I kind of messed up? And I thought, wow, so I'm just going to strategize on what I learned. So instead of reacting and getting scared and beating myself up and looking for someone else to blame, all those, you know, crap things that we do, I thought, okay, what the, what can I learn? And you know what? I flipped the experience into a learning experience, which I think is like any, any you know, good, you know, leader, manager, business leader knows that you have to iterate on things, right? Thomas Edison, right? On 999 things before you get it right. But even when you're really good, I think it's okay to sort of see that you can mess up on it and then have the resilience and the grit and the tenacity. There are all these words that are attached to it to just say, okay, yeah. And then admit that you screwed up because there's nothing better in a person in a position who says, yeah, I screwed that up. Yeah, even me too. I'm not supposed, I should know better. Or I, you know, after 30 years of doing this, I can still make a wrong decision. And you go, all right, let me try to course correct. And I can't take it away, but I can course correct another way. And that practice, it's sort of the way that the knock-on effect of sucking at something actually can make you, I think, better at the things that you actually have to do well. You know, parenting, oh, that's hard, you know, whatever your professional life is, you know, whatever, you know, there are things where you're sort of called upon Hmm. to be good at or to be at least as good as you can be, but you're going to mess it up. So cultivating that, that it's okay to suck mindset has like a a crossover effect into other areas of your life, you're saying? Into the areas in your life where you don't suck, but you will have moments of suckiness, which is a very different thing. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I think because that, that idea of you walk off and you go, you know, what if I didn't crush it on, you know? Dr. Oz or what if I didn't do what they needed me to do I think that's part of it did I what did I disappoint did I disappoint someone and then you have to sort of go in with a full heart and say I'm going to give it my all and if it's not if I didn't go a hundred percent there'll be another time when I can go a hundred percent or maybe I'll learn something from that whatever that you know anomaly was or that moment where you weren't as good as as you know you can be I mean this is a really hard lesson for you know I wouldn't you know, I don't know if it applies to surgeons and, you know, certain, you know, you think about, but even, I mean, there have even been books written actually by doctors who say that, you know, to, to make a mistake as a doctor is like, it's, it's a devastating thing. And I think there's a, there's a, I forget what his name is. There's a Canadian doctor who wrote a book on this and saying, but they're human, you know, even doctors are human, right? And humans are fallible. Oh, doctors make mistakes all the all time. All the time. It's like the third leading cause of death in this country are mistakes made in the hospital. Exactly. And then that's like, 
so then you could pull it back from there and you go, eh, you make a mistake on Rachel Ray or I make a, you know, or I make a mistake, you know, in a publishing world, it's like, you know, okay, I can, I can be okay with that. Yeah. With the exception of, of like doctors, you know, I would say that for the most part, mis- the mistakes that we make are inconsequential, especially if you totally. really are a professional and you're good at what you do. And, and also when you acknowledge that you've given, that you've done your best, then then there is no mistake, really. It's like a part of the well, learning experience. Exactly. Maybe you, maybe your routine was somewhat different the morning that you, or you didn't, you know, you didn't, you weren't as rigorous with your sleep hygiene the night before. Yeah, you no, know? that's like, huge. That's yeah. a huge thing, actually. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then, but you learn from that, and you go, "Oh, I wasn't as sharp as I should have been." Right. Like, you know what? I should have gone to bed at you know ten and not at one in the morning. You know, while I binge watched you know Mad Mad Men. Not that I've ever done that. <laughs> But, you know, it's that, that idea of learn, learn. We should always be learning. When you suck at something and you do something you love and you're constantly a beginner, right? It's that it's that beginner's mind thing. I mean, there are all these sort of classic philosophies you can attach to it. But when you practice, I always say like, you know, in my book, I, I have this refrain where I say, you know, suck at something. It's practice. It takes practice. And it takes practice sucking at something. And if you practice that, it's going to be applicable and it's going to be useful to you when the stakes are higher, you know, I mean, there's nothing even, you know, being a parent, I have to say is probably one of the, you know, one of the, it's not even that it's hard. It's like, you just, sometimes you just don't know what the right thing to say and do are. And you're, you're, you are iterating and reiterating, you know, all the time. And that's a tough one to forgive yourself for because you think, oh, but it's like, you also, my thing is like, you have to show your kids too, that, hey man, I am so not, perfect I am so not going to be the perfect mother like I'm going to screw up and you know and and I'm going to let you screw up and we're going to talk about it and try to help each other through it as opposed to this I you know you have to be you know the first in your class and I have to be the perfect you know the perfect mother it's like it's just not going to happen so there's not a that's a really good place to practice it as well I think because it's going to happen. Yeah, perfection is a myth. I love the quote from oh, yeah. Stephen Hawking. Without imperfection, neither you nor I would exist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let that sink in. It's so true. I mean, it's we're so we're good. here because of imperfection in the genome, right? That that leads to the this, betterment of the of species across organisms, right? This wonder. Oh, that's a yeah, that's I don't know that quote, but that is a wonderful quote because I do talk a lot about the myth of perfectionism. I always just say it's like that's just an excuse for you know, not getting on with it, right? Can't do that because, you know, oh, I didn't finish it. I'm such a perfectionist. I didn't, you know, fill in the blank. And actually, there have been studies. There are a lot of studies um, done where acceptance of imperfection is a sign of mental strength and wellness. And not being able to accept your imperfections definitely causes depression, anxiety, and stuff. I mean, it's like there are current studies, you know, out about that and it, you kind of listen to that and you go oh so again forgiveness mm-hmm. you know you kind of go oh you mean I don't have to try to be perfect nope because you're not going to get there anyway so you just set yourself up to fail so if you just say I'm imp-, and you don't want to use it as an excuse for things for not you know fulfilling your obligations and trying your best but I think that there is that idea that you know if you can't what is it if you can't you know if I don't know if you can't like go all the way like don't don't do it at all or something oh, yeah. there are all these kind of aphorisms that go we, big or go home go, yeah you're like what <laughs> how about no like give me a little wave give me give me a give me a little two-foot peeler and i'm really happy you know what i mean like who what are you talking but i think there's this 
I think we get the messages fed to us all the time and we don't even know we're taking the messages in. So I'm trying to come in on top of those messages and going, you know what? It's great. It is great to yeah. fail. How much time should we give to doing things that, that we suck at? Mm, that's a good question. How I don't know if there are shoulds or shouldn'ts, but my one of the rule one of the one of my, you know, playful rules of sucking is that it's gotta matter or else it, you're just going to quit and it doesn't, it, it's not going to go there. So, you know, I live in a constant conflict of not being able to be in the water enough. It is really like if I were really devoted to this thing, you know, I'd quit my job. I'd, you know, give up everything. I'd go live on a coastline where I can get in the water every day. And people do that. And I kind of just, yes, it's been in my head. I always think maybe I should do that. But I'm greedy for life, and there are things that I love as well. I love living in New York. I love my life as a publisher and as a writer and as a, you know, in this other environment. So you go, so so the answer to that is whatever the balance is that, and this is a non-answer, but it's like whatever the balance is that works for you. I will always, if you're doing something you suck at that you love and you do want to get better, here's the thing. It's not that you always, you, you will get better at it. You do it. You play guitar, you put in your 10,000 hours, you're going to be able to get in front of people and play. It doesn't mean you're going to go on tour to, you know, open up for, you know, Ed Sheeran, who you mentioned, you know, it just means that you're going to be able to do it. But the time that you spend is going to be time taken away from some other things. And so it's the, the that balance is something that you can only answer for yourself. I, I, I haven't figured it out yet. I'm still not surfing as much as I want to, but... I will, I make a lot of room and space for it and have given up other things in order to, to do that. And that's the other thing. You do have to give up some things for it. Yeah. Except for the thing that's, you know, obviously paying your rent and. Absolutely. Cause then know. that's a, you know, then, and p- by the way, for all these things, right. I think when you, you know, there are certainly stories of people who go, you know what, I'm going to cash it all in and go, you know, just go do this one thing. And I think that's, I actually think that's okay if you can, as long as you can take care of yourself and your family, if you have one, or take care of yourself and do the things you need to do for the people around you and your obligations, then go for it. Cause nobody says that you have to just work, 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 work and succeed, succeed, unless that's something that you're driven to do. And a lot of us are certainly, um, and I think for those people, it's even harder to suck at some things because, you know, you kind of look at it, you have to like, it's a polar opposite of, of that, that goal driven life that we have, Yeah, which is good for some things, but it shouldn't be the only thing. It really, I don't believe, I don't think it makes us a well-rounded, you know, makes us well-rounded. And there's a lot of old philosophy around, you know, being well-rounded makes us better to serve the rest of the culture and, and humanity. You know, we are not meant for monocultured living. We're not meant for just one thing. Yeah. Um, that doesn't help us learn or grow or make us, at you know, useful to the rest of society, right? Yeah. I also like the idea of giving up, um, you know, outcome-driven oh, yeah. action. You know, I think yeah. it's important to enjoy enjoy the journey. One of the most amazing things about music, and even professional musicians will tell you this, that it's a it's a constant evolution of, you know, feeling into your talent and the art and learning new th- new right. ways of expressing yourselves and challenging your your assumptions. And um, the same could be said for yoga. The same could be said for writing. The same could be said for yes. science and understanding health. I mean, it's such a constant journey. Oh, 
Yeah. So well, I mean, science. It's funny. I was listening. You know, Carlo Rovelli was um, was it Carlo Rovelli was talking about this, which is the idea that so much of science and the assumptions that people make in science. It's like if you didn't if you didn't try things that were going to fail, because so much of science is trying you know, trying to understand something and the experiment fails, right? But in that failure, it moves it forward. So even embedded in our advances in, you know, what we like to think are fact-based, but even our advances in that entail a great deal of failure. And if we didn't keep iterating on whatever, you know, segment health or, you know, the cosmos or the oceans or, you know, any of these things, we would never get anywhere because we go, ah, it's just, I'm not going to be able to figure it out. So why bother? I'm not going to solve for this problem. You know, why bother? Right. I'm not going to solve for Alzheimer's or, you know, or, you know, cognitive decline, which is what you do so brilliantly in spending your time doing it. You know, do you have all the answers? Have you found those answers yet? No. (laughs) Well, but you're going to keep trying. You're going to keep doing it. So embedded in that is, not letting that what what some might consider failure and a reason to quit is really just the opposite. It's the inspiration to keep digging, to keep looking, to keep finding it. And scientists live with this all the time. And we don't, you know, we look at it, and we're going, oh, you know, the wonders of science, what people know. But behind that are the people who are doing, you know, doing the research, you know, learning, talking to the experts, and then communicating what we know so far. I think this really goes, really applies to the advancements in health and wellness, where, you know, people go, oh, you know, I always hear this argument, people go, broccoli is good for you one week, and then it's not, (laughs) drink coffee, don't drink coffee, eat meat, don't eat meat, you know, and everybody, you know, goes, nobody knows anything, (laughs) I'm just going to go eat, you know, a Twinkie, I guess I'm, you know, showing my age by saying a Twinkie, or, you know, whatever, an In-N-Out burger, which are delicious, by the way, but still, (laughs) you know, but you kind of just, you you don't just throw it all out, because people don't have all the answers right. right but but that is definitely where you go because it's really frustrating and the idea is like yeah it's frustrating because we're not there will never be certainty on anything and if you're looking for it if you're looking for perfection if you're looking for certainty if you're you know you close yourself off from so much totally that can make you you know that can you know make you live a a better, healthier life if we're talking about health and wellness or a more fulfilled life if you're talking about music or surfing, you know? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I tell people is one of the key red flags, you know, that any, um, you know, uh, like, I guess like influencer or, you know, the the thing that you want to watch out for if you're following health and wellness, uh, quote-unquote influencers, is overconfidence or you know, people who, who oh, act yeah. as though they have all of the answers. You yeah. know, that's the thing that I think is the most repulsive to me because the more you le- the more you learn, the less you actually realize that we all know. And right. you know, though we know, you know, an, an astonishing amount. Yeah. You know, for people that really mm-hmm. have been able to, um, for animals that have been able to somehow examine the universe and use the principles of science. Right. I mean, there's still, a, you know, infinite more questions than there are answers, right. even at this point. But that should be a sense of curiosity and wonder and opportunity as opposed to a reason to feel despair exactly. and and be negative about it. So again, we kind of go back to the earlier thing we were saying is it's the way you frame it, right? 100%. It's all framing. And I think in health in particular, again, going back to that is because 
what we're finding more and more is that it's more complicated because it's individual, right? So what's good for you might not be necessarily, there are some, listen, we know what the key tenants are, you know, processed foods, nope, (laughs) you know what I mean? You know, you know, get those out, you know, you have to balance, but you know, who needs more fiber and who needs more protein and who needs, you know, more, you know, fat and who needs, that depends uh, well, you know, I mean, we know, course, we all know yeah. this, right? Depend- but I think what happens is people, because there's no easy answer, you tend to toss out the expertise of the people who are spending their time doing it. Um, and we, again, we, we, then we, we prevent ourselves from being able to take advantage of what is available to us, but it's always got to be with an open mind. And I don't know anybody who is, gr- who is, who doesn't suck. Let's just talk about the people who are the experts, right? The most, you know, the most advanced, the people who are most advanced in their fields, whatever it is, will always be the people who have the biggest sense of wonder and, and, and sort of be confident enough to say, I don't know. And there's, there is a lot of beauty in that. I don't know, you know, and we have to get comfortable with it though, because it's a little uncomfortable, right? Admitting that. Super. Well, we are almost out of time. Where can listeners connect with you over the social web? Um, And where's your book available? Well, the book will be on sale May 7th uh, is the on sale date. It'll be available wherever books are sold. So exciting. Uh, You know, ebook, hard copy, audio. I read the audio. Talk about sucking at something. (laughs) I hope all of you audiobook listeners, I hope if you buy it that... I haven't sucked too badly at that. That was an experience, a humbling experience. You have, a, great, you have a really nice voice, though. Well, thank you for saying that because when I hear it, I think it sucks. Like, I hear my <laughs> own voice and going, oh, is that what I sound like? Um, and uh, you can go to suckatsomething.com. It's not highly developed. I've just launched the website. I'm in the middle of figuring it out. And then I have a Facebook group um, for Suck at Something that is an invitation group. Uh, I don't know how that even works because I'm still learning how Mm. to do this and I've just brought somebody on to help me. But what I'm hoping, what I want from the website and from the Facebook group and is people to share their stories. I'm, I'm dying. I am, my eyes well with tears. I am delighted every time somebody tells me a story about something they suck at and people do want to share and they're amazing stories. And it's everything from like learning ancient Greek to, you know, running. A lot of people, a lot of people say they suck at running. And I always think running seems like one of those things where we're, we're human. We are born to run, literally, um, <laughs> to quote Chris McDougall. But, but it's hard, right? It's like some of the simplest things are like singing. You're born with a voice. Why is singing hard? Why is running hard? Why is baking bread hard? You know, it's like three ingredients. So I always think like these things that seem innate, writing is hard. We all write, we have language. But writing is hard. So I love when people share not only the kind of esoteric things that they may suck at, which is really great, but also the things that would seem to be come naturally, but to do them well is really hard. What's the name of the Facebook group so that people can go and search for that? Do you know? Suck at something. Suck at something. Okay, cool. Um, All right. Well, the last question that gets asked to everybody that's on this show, Karen. Yes. Excited to hear your answer. What does it mean to you to live a genius life? would be to not expect yourself to 
be a genius. So it's the antithetical in a way, which is the genius life is understanding that we can't all be geniuses, but we can always move in that direction. So, and you can only do that if you allow yourself to stumble along the way, and then you're going to get as close to it as you can get. Brilliant. Beautiful. (laughs) Thank you so much for that. Thanks, Max. This is fun. This was a real pleasure. To all you guys out there listening in podcast line, as always, I value your time and attention. Take a screen grab of this uh, episode of the podcast. Share it on your Instagram stories. Pick up Karen's book. It's wonderful. Spread the word about what we're doing here at The Genius Life, and I will catch you on the next episode. Peace.